Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Well, you can thank Jay because he's cut the sermon in half time-wise. That's an amen-worthy thing, okay? You know, guys, we ought to be very thankful for our brides. Um, I was looking at Karen the entire time and thinking, you know, she goes home with him. <laughs> this this does not stop. This this kind of stuff doesn't stop when uh, church is over. No, he goes home with uh, Folks, we're going to share this morning the last of a series that we've been in, and it is it is running. The Apostle Paul says that we are to run with a purpose. And our running has to do with with many different aspects of how we run. We're either running from something or to something. We're either running for something or this morning with something. And that something is God. You're either running away from God or you're running to Him. You're either running for Him or... And ultimately, what he wants you to do is run with him. Now, we're going to look at life briefly for just a moment. We're going to look at a life of a guy that experienced that. We're going to look at a life that many of you all saw on television at one time or another. And we're going to look at the life of a person that we've studied in the Bible this past, this past week in the Gospel Project. By the way, if you're not plugged into a Bible study on Sunday morning, at 9.15, we have a place for you. We have a place for you. As a matter of fact, let me share with you a good place to start your journey in studying the Word of God is, is in the Connections class. And Steve Music, hold, you, you and Lauren, hold your hands up. Yep, you got, come on, Lauren, act like you're a Pentecostal. Hold your hand up. Okay, there you go. By the way, when we're singing songs, it's okay to hold your hands up, guys. It's not a church thing. It's a God thing. All right? Just... That's a good Sunday school class to begin your journey in. It gives you a chance to go ahead and get a nice overview of the Bible with a lot of people, a lot of different ages, and it'll be a good place to plug in. Now, guys, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions this morning, and if you know this person, you can go ahead and, and kind of hold your hand up at the appropriate time. Do you know this man? Well, um, he was one of the seven blocks of granite of Fordham University's football team back when they were the powerhouse instead of Clemson and Alabama. Uh, he was not a good athlete. As a matter of fact, he was pretty poor at it. But he had a competitive spirit that absolutely ignited him to play better than his size. He played right tackle. He weighed 175 pounds, and was five foot eight inches tall at the time. He was undersized, but he absolutely dominated people that outweighed him by 100 pounds across the line. Maybe this picture will help you. Vincent Thomas Lombardi was a football coach in the 1950s and 60s, and he's best known as the coach of the Green Bay Packers back when they annually broke the Dallas Cowboys' hearts. As a teenager in prep school, Lombardi 
was convinced that he was to study to become a priest. Italian family, Catholic. But what he chose was to go ahead and follow God and not his church. Now please understand this, folks. We're in a Baptist church. Everybody understand that? We're in a Baptist church. We've got behind this screen a, a little cutout trough up there that we, annual, that we dunk people in, okay? That's why we were called Dunking Baptist. Listen to me. Being a Baptist, as I've said a hundred times from this pulpit, will not get you to heaven. Being a Catholic will not get you to heaven. Being a Christ follower will. And Lombardi was a Christ follower. After he graduated from 8th grade, he entered a six-year program that would allow him to go ahead and immediately be ordained as a Catholic priest. Instead of going to high school, he went through high school and then the two additional years that would prepare him in seminary to become a Catholic priest. His junior year of high school, he went to the parish priest and he asked him this, how do you know if God is calling you to become a priest? How do you know you're supposed to be in the clergy? The Catholic priest was obviously a very wise man, and he said, if you can do anything else and find God's favor, you're not called to be a priest. If you can do anything else. Well, there had been a struggle that had been going on in Lombardi's life. You see, as a young man playing sports at his high school, he was fascinated by the theory of how things operated what he could do. He had a fabulous mind, even though he was equipped with a body that could not go ahead and execute what his mind told him to do. He was beginning to struggle with the idea that perhaps he was called to something else. Thus his talk with that priest. Lombardi instead chose to become a coach. And he had found his place to serve God. You see, finding what God wants you to do and become is the next great step in your walk with Jesus. It is that place where you stop running from God. It is after you run to God. It is following your run for God. And instead, it is that part of your life where you become in sync with God and you are open to wherever He chooses to lead you. You begin to run with Him. This morning we're going to look at the life of a man who ran through every one of these phases too. Like Lombardi, he searched and then ran from his true calling. He he then came back to God and God used him and taught him about God's view of sinners like you and me. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and stand with me. We're going to read passages out of the book of Jonah about this amazing man. Stand together. And I'm going to invite you to read God's Word with me. We stand because we honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. This is Jonah 1-2. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. And what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Proclaim to it the message I give you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord 
and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. The story of Jonah is one of those great stories in the Bible that if you're reading it or you're hearing about it, it kind of locks you up. You want to know the next step and the next step and the next step. And you know from the story that God called Jonah to do something very special for him. You're to go, as an Israelite, you're to go to our arch enemy, the Ninevites, the folks that were killing Jews just for, for sport and pleasure. You're to go and you're to preach against them and tell them that they will be destroyed if they don't get right with me. Jonah did what most in this room would do. If God called, called us today to stand in the middle of Tehran and tell them that Islam is in fact not God's promise and way for them, that in fact Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who said that the Jews will be my people, you're to go now, you're to go to Tehran and you're to preach that. Any volunteers? No, we'd probably go, I'll just go back over here and sit comfortably in a Baptist church, in a Baptist pew, and be ignored by God. God doesn't operate that way. As a matter of fact, what Jonah does is he takes action. He doesn't hide. He doesn't do what Adam did. In fact, what he does is eventually, by the compass, he goes 180 degrees away from where Nineveh is. He goes down to Tarshish and he gets on a boat. Once he gets on that boat, he takes passage on it and he's headed out. And as he's headed out, they begin to go ahead and cut across the Mediterranean. And a great storm comes up. You know this story. A great storm comes up and everybody... It gets so bad that sailors who are not God-prone by and large, by and large, right, Sam? Not by and large. They end up going and saying, hey, we need to pray. Call upon whatever God you know. Jonah, meanwhile, is down in the hole of the ship, down below decks, and he's asleep. The ship's rocking. Water is cascading over it. People are yelling and screaming, and he's asleep. And one of the sailors notices this, comes down to him and says, Hey, hey, we're about to go under. He said, Get up and start praying. Do so. Whatever God you worship, do so. Ask him to help. And Jonah casually kind of goes, Well, I'm probably the reason this is happening. I'm, I, I'm running from God. He begins to explain his life story. God called him, and he runs from God. We talked about that already, running away from God. Guys, listen, you cannot run away from God. God's already there where you're running to. And he runs away from God, and as he's, well, sails away from God, and as he's on this boat sailing away from God, he tells this to the sailors. And what do the sailors do? Well, what are we going to do? 
If we throw him over, we've committed a sin. We've gone ahead and killed somebody. But if we keep him on board, it's likely he's going to kill all of us because of what he did. By the way, it's a good lesson there. Everyone thinks in this room, you may think that your sin doesn't affect anyone but you. Can you see now how it can have consequences for everybody? Unintended consequences? No. Fully intended. You chose that way. So Jonah, Jonah ends up saying to them, in the midst of his despair about wanting to get away from God, it's okay if you guys just kill me. You can toss me over and things will probably get better. And so sure enough, they grab him and they hoist him over the side and plop, he goes into the drink. And the Bible says that the seas began to calm. And Jonah, listen to me, Jonah is running from God and he's so intent to get away from God, to not do what God wants him to do. He's willing to sacrifice his life. Take me, Lord. Now, some of us in this room have had moments in our life where we've gone, we've done the Fred Sanford. Sanford and Son, look it up You can, if you're too young to remember that. Elizabeth, come take me. Yeah, okay, that. All right, remember that? Red Fox, great comedian. Some of us have been in our life to that point where we've been ready to go ahead and say to God, just take me now. I can't take any more. And Jonah was there. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Kill me before I do. And he's ready to die, and he's thrown in the drink. And you can imagine that as the waves are crashing over him, he begins to go ahead and say, just relax and take a gulp of water, and it'll soon be over. Things couldn't be any worse for Jonah. Oh, yes, they could. You see, the worst thing that can happen to you and me is when we run from God, we think we've gotten away from Him, and in fact, we find out that He's there. Let me share with you. Let's talk about the alternatives to running with God. If you're going to go and run away from God like Jonah did, let's talk about the alternatives to running with God. Here's one alternative to running with God. First one. You have to lean on your own wisdom. You have to lean on what you know rather than the one who knows all of creation. You have to lean on your own wisdom. Second of all, you have to trust in your own judgment. Anybody in this room ever bought a car they wish they hadn't? Some of you are too embarrassed to nod your head that you bought an AMC Pacer back in the day. You have to rely on your own judgment. And lastly, when you find yourself in a mess or in the belly of a big fish, you find yourself in a place where the consequences of your actions from running away from God come up and swallow you whole. And that's what happened to Jonah. He's in the, he's in the water. He's ready to die. And things do get worse. He gets swallowed by a big fish. Jonah is so set in his own despair and destruction that he asks for death. Now think about it, guys. All you want to do is die. And you can't even get that right. You should drown, but instead a big fish gets in the way and you get in the big fish. 
Think about it. The smell. The innards of a fish. Alright, the innards of a fish. If you have not seen the inside of a fish, you need to go talk to Charlie Bodkin. He catches fish regularly. When he, skin, when he goes ahead and, and guts the fish, he can show you and take a picture of what the innards of the fish are. Magnify that up and you have what Jonah is in. Think of the little pieces of seaweed that are getting caught in your hair as you're cramped up in there inside the fish. And as you're in there, as Jay shared, for three days, your clothes are bleached white because of the acid in the fish's stomach. It got worse. Then it got better. And if you read in chapter 2, verse 10, it says after Jonah goes ahead and gets swallowed by this fish and has his repentant moment, he begins to run back. He can't run to God now because he's in a fish, but he is kind of floating that way towards God spiritually. And as he gets there, he ends up going ahead and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll be willing to do it. And then the Bible says God told the fish to vomit Jonah up on the beach. Now you can imagine that there's somewhere out there a guy surf fishing, okay? He's out there. And all of a sudden in this wave comes up a guy who rolls up and he's just awful smelling and looking. And the first words out of this guy's mouth is, Repent! What would you do? I'd repent. I'd repent. You see, the alternative to running from God is better. Running with God means you avoid being breakfast for a bass. Instead, you begin to fit your feet in the one who is ahead of you. Instead of choosing to put your feet in the footprints of others, you put them in the footprints where God has led, and you follow. It also means that there are no landmines or fish that can get in that way. And after you've heard that, learned that lesson, God is going to go ahead and not just say, you know, that 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 kind of semi-ridiculous thing, footprints and you know that deal. Let me share with you. God doesn't want us to just carefully kind of go, okay, got it in there got it in there. You can't make a lot of progress in your life if you're stepping slowly. God wants you and me to be able to do as the Apostle Paul said, run with Him. Run with Him. I got to watch football game Friday. By the way, it was a really good game. Really good game. Because the good guys won. And halfway through the game, a football player who's been having a lot of, of challenges and struggles, he, he just has not played his game. And this kid has let go. Look, there are 22 people out on that field. There's one football. It belongs to you. If you've got it in your hands, it's the most precious thing on that field. Now, I'm not here to go in and give you a halftime speech. But this young man had coughed the ball up regularly and he got the ball and he had told me on the sideline he said man I don't think they're ever going to let me back in the game and he got back in the game and he got the handoff and he took off and instead of going ahead and trying to juke the guys to avoid being tackled he put his head down and he began to blast people 
and it took the heart out of that defense. Later on, he caught a perfect pass. Nice throw. He caught a perfect pass and took it to the house. Unfortunately, and this is a pastor in the Baptist church telling you this, a suspect call, all you Aggies ought to like this, a suspect call by an official cost him that touchdown. Okay, very suspect. So he gets over on the sideline. He's exhausted. He's run. He scored a touchdown. It's his first of his of the season. He's, he's happy as he could be. And I said, are you okay? Can you get back in the game? I'm tired. I said, why'd you run so fast? And he looks at me and he goes, what are you talking about? He says, those guys would have killed me. Folks, listen to me. God doesn't want you to pace through life. The Bible says that that ultimately anything we get over 70 years is a bonus. Some of us are right there. Some of us have gone way over what we were allotted to. You don't have time to waste time in your life. God doesn't want you to pace with Him. He wants you to run with Him. Pick up the pace, folks. Pick it up. How do you do that? You begin to follow God in a way that when you see His footprints leading in front of you, they're no great surprise. And what you find yourself doing is not this, but instead going, I know where they're going. I know how to find where His feet are. And I will follow it with headlong abandon. And folks, when you do that, God is honored And He begins to bless you in a way you never thought possible. So what happens with the fellow named Jonah? Well, he goes to Nineveh and he preaches. And he preaches and in one revival, he gets more people that repent and turn back to God than Billy Graham ever did in one night's revival service. 120,000 people get saved. 120,000. I'm going to flip back to the guy we looked at the beginning for a moment. He had a catchphrase, and that catchphrase was run to daylight. Run to daylight. It was the idea that is the Offensive line began to block people out of the way. The running back was supposed to find that little crease and that little seam and power his way through that, much like that young man on Friday night did. Not waiting around and hoping and thinking that I have the ability to dodge and dance the people out of the way for me to go ahead and get the glory and the touchdown. But instead, putting my head down and pushing on. And folks, that's what God calls you and me to do. Run with Him. And when things become difficult, put our head down and run to the place that we know He has already been. And He's prepared for you and me. Now, there's a picture that's coming up here. I want you to see it. That's Vince Lombardi, and he's on the shoulder. Notice the guy on the right-hand side. Anybody know who he is? Come on. 
Got to be somebody in here that can recognize him. His name's Jerry Kramer. He was the right guard for the Green Bay Packers. Little kid from Idaho. He was drafted as a nobody, a nobody by the Packers. He didn't have all the talent like Lombardi. He didn't have the physical abilities like Lombardi, but he had a brilliant mind and a hard work ethic from being raised on a ranch, tending cows, and working in snow and bitter heat. For all Dallas Cowboy fans, that man, Jerry Kramer, is our greatest historic nemesis. He's the guy that blocked Jethro Pugh in the Ice Bowl that opened the lane for Bart Starr to sneak in and win the championship. That guy. Now what ended up happening to Jerry Kramer? Kramer, this nobody guy who became a somebody and is now in the Football Hall of Fame, said later on, that Lombardi taught him to face his fears and to never stop learning and to strive for excellence in every play and in everything he did in his life. This from a guy who wanted to be a priest, who ended up as a football coach. This from a guy who had no hopes of doing anything in football, but taken and under the guidance of a man like Lombardi became an all-pro and a football Hall of Fame player and made the most important block in the most important game for the victory. So that Bart Starr, somebody else, could run to daylight. Folks, how can you make sure that you're running with God? First of all, make sure that your heart stays right with God. Don't think you already have it figured out once you start running with God. There's more to learn. Jonah, as as Jay said, Jonah ends up going ahead and and after the entire city has has repented, Jonah is, is mad about it. And he's mad because God has said, I'm going to destroy the city in 40 days. I'm going to obliterate everything. And he's mad about that. Folks, hear this. Lay aside the things that make you so angry. Put them aside. Don't make God take you to the woodshed again and again and again for things that you've been hanging on to for generations. Please hear it. Just like the Disney song says, Let it go, let it go. Your sister sang that one time really well while we were in in church here. Let it go. Make sure your heart is right with God. And guys, this is a daily struggle. This isn't something you go, oh, I'm going to come forward in the Baptist church and I'm going to go ahead and talk to the preacher and everything's okay. And then I'll just go out and do what I want to do. No, no, no. This is a daily place where you take that part of your life and you lay it on the altar before God and you let God. God have it just for today, not for tomorrow, just for today. It is your manna that you take to God and you say, God, you gave me this and the ability to bring this to you and I lay it right back down at your feet because if I try to do it, I'm leaning on my own understanding, my own ways, and that will get me in the belly of a fish 
or at least smelling like I was one. Make sure your heart is right with God. How can you do that? Make sure that you choose the right God. A God that loved you and died for you 2,000 years ago when His Son died on a cross to pay for your sin. Make sure you got the right God. And then once you have that right God, ask Him to go ahead and make His steps very plain to you. And for some of you here this morning, you've been a Christ follower longer than I've been alive. And the deception the enemy wants you to have is that you somehow have arrived and don't need to go ahead and seek God out with the same passion you did when you were 15 years old. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants you to have a hunger for Him to your final breath. And oh, by the way, He's got you safely after that. Make sure your heart stays right with God. The second is, don't forget who is in charge. God makes the rules. He wants you to follow them today. It means for some of you a change in your life that puts Him in charge. Are you willing to let God make you His champion? As you run with Him, are you willing to go ahead and let God make you His champion? The one who will stand in the middle of Tehran and pronounce truth. The one who will be at high school and be willing to go and say, I will stand when everybody else goes. I don't want to be pointed out. The one who's in your neighborhood that is willing to go and show compassion to a person that has not deserved it or earned it. Maybe for some of you that have family members, the ability to forgive. Don't forget, he's in charge and he will call you to do those things that you and I don't feel like we can. The final one, this. Listen for the rest of your life to God's course corrections. You see, for some of us here today, God has already, He already has you. You no longer run from Him. You've run to Him. And you're running for Him. But what God wants most of all in your life is for you to run with Him to daylight, to His next step in your life. Have you thought about what that next step might be? I pick on people regularly. I pick on my friend Sam because he's my friend. But as much as I want to turn to him and say, you know what, at 90 some odd plus years old, have you asked God what his next step is in your life, Sam? It may not be piloting a ship in the admiralties. It may be going ahead and talking to somebody whose relationship has been split for years. Have you asked God what His next step in your life is to be? Now, I know you guys, that's a big deal in your life right now. That's something that you want to know. What is it that God wants me to do? But guys, it is not just the teenagers and the young people here. It is every one of us in this room. What is God's next step? And you ask Him to make your heart pliable enough to hear that so we don't end up a priest instead of a champion coach. That's the God that is calling you right now. And your right answer 
ought to be right now. Yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, if you're calling our name, you're calling us to a place and a walk that is different from what we are doing right now, may you have the opportunity to get a hold of us. Thank you, Father, for the fact that you love us. Thank you that you give us course corrections, ultimately leading to your throne and to your Son, Jesus. So this time right now is that time that we have to respond not to a pastor's words, not to a church's offering, but Father, instead, this is the time where we can go ahead and publicly say, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to step in the steps He has already stepped in for me. I choose to let Him lead. And Father, I eventually choose to run for the rest of my life for His glory. I believe, Lord, there are some here that need to make that first-time confession of faith. There are some here that need to go ahead and plug their life into a church family. This is that place, and this is that church. It's not called to be a member. It's called to be a follower of yours. So you take this time, Lord. May your Holy Spirit reign in our lives and in this room right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said. Amen. Stand together. We're going to go ahead and sing together. And as God leads, as we sing, you come.